Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are tuning in. Thank you so much for joining me today uh, for my next uh, Facebook and Instagram live offering. And this is uh, part three of a series that I've been offering here on uh, the topic of change and impermanence. Now, if you haven't seen the first two, don't worry. All of these sessions are, are standalone. You don't have had to have seen uh, the first two sessions on embracing change to receive uh, what I'm offering here today. But if you're curious, you can go back and, and scroll through my Instagram or Facebook or, or YouTube, and they're all on there as well. So some of you might be asking, uh, why am I doing this offering on Facebook Live and Instagram? And well, the intention here is to kind of ramp up the energy, the momentum <coughs> uh, into a nine-week online meditation program uh, that I'm offering, uh, which, which launches on March 1st, a week from today. So this will be the last Facebook Live uh, for a while. I usually do about a month of these in between the, the online retreats that I offer. Uh, so this will be the last one for about two months. So if you're tuning in, you, you, great. you made it. <laughs> so a little bit about the retreat then before I, I move into the offering today. So as I mentioned, we launch March 1st in one week and it runs until April 26th. So this is a nine-week program. Uh, we meet once a week. There are two sections being offered. Uh, section A uh, is meeting on Tuesday evenings from 7 to 10 p.m. East Coast time. There's a Section B, which meets on Wednesday mornings from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. East Coast time. So I tried to offer uh, two different uh, sections at, at broad uh, um, time zones to try to accommodate for people all over the world, which seems to be working out okay. Um, so the retreat sessions, they, they include a, a variety of guided meditations that I'll be offering, uh, ample time for Q&A, interactive discussions with the retreat participants and myself, uh, there'll be breakout rooms where uh, people can split off on their own and really uh, hash out some of the teachings that are being offered. Now, I know three hours might seem like a long time for a class, but the design of the classes will meet for about an hour and 20 minutes. We'll take a 20-minute break, and then we'll come back for another hour and 20 minutes. So we're not expected to sit for three hours straight, uh, thankfully. Everything that I offer, this retreat uh, on embracing change or my one-to-one -one sessions, the other retreats that I offered, everything is offered within a secular voice. I don't ask anyone to believe in any particular faith or religion. Uh, and people from all faiths, all religions, or no faith, no religion, everyone's welcome. In addition to that, I offer everything within a trauma-sensitive framework. I've uh, been certified now in advanced trauma-sensitive mindfulness. I've done uh, quite a bit of study with the trauma healer and therapist Gabor Mate, as well as uh, Peter Levine. Uh, 
And so I try to bring that uh, trauma sensitivity to everything that I offer. I, I find that to be very helpful and, and very nourishing. The numbers of each section are kept quite low, uh, providing ample space and time for, for each participant to share what's coming up, to ask questions. And I find that the smaller group number really um, allows for this cohort kind of vibe. So we all get to know each other and we all get to kind of travel on this uh, journey through embracing change together. In addition to that, it, participants who sign up for the retreats have complete access to me for one-to-one -one sessions. I try to make myself completely available to the retreat participants because sometimes uh, meditation can bring up unexpected experiences, insights into the nature of reality or insights into the way, uh, reasons the way we are, the way we are and so forth. And sometimes it really helps to have an experienced guide uh, to help assimilate some of those experiences. So again, I try to make myself completely available to the retreat participants to schedule one-to-one -one sessions anytime that's needed. All of the sessions are recorded and they're shared privately only within the group. So if you feel like you want to sign up for a program like Embracing Change, I'm also offering one on Compassion as well. If you'd like to sign up for, for one of the programs, but you feel like you couldn't possibly make a commitment to be somewhere once a week or twice a week at the same time, totally get that, I totally understand that. Uh, I have many people who sign up for the retreats who do the whole retreat at their own pace, and you're welcome to do that. Uh, or some people come to several of the sessions and miss a couple, or miss more than a couple, and that's fine as well. However, is whatever is comfortable for the participant. So, yeah, there's no pressure to be there for all of the sessions. For more information about the retreat, or if you'd like to go ahead and register, please do go visit my website, www.suchsweetthunder.org. And that will tell you all of the details there. If you have any other questions, uh, please feel free to message me through the website, or you can mess message me on Instagram or Facebook as well. Okay, I think we're ready to move into the topic of the day. So I'd like to start today's offering with just a, a very brief guided meditation, just as a way of kind of settling. And we might do a little bit of uh, embracing change during this guided meditation to kind of tie the practice into the theme of today's talk. So I'll ring the sound of the bell and then I'll guide us uh, through this meditation. We may do this for five, seven minutes or so, uh, and then we'll be back for our little talk. And so the invitation here is just to arrive into this present moment.
There are many ways of arriving into the experience of the here and now. And for this practice, I think we can start with the feeling of the breath. And so the invitation here is to take a nice, nourishing, deep breath, if that feels supportive. And noticing what it feels like to have the breath move through the body as you inhale and exhale. You might notice the rising and falling of the abdomen with each breath. The expanding and contracting of the rib cage as you inhale and exhale. Perhaps noticing how the shoulders rise and fall with each breath. You might notice how the back moves out on the in-breath and in on the out-breath. Perhaps noticing the body straightening up slightly as you breathe in and leaning forward slightly as you breathe out. You might also notice how the temperature fluctuates from cooler to warmer at the nose and the back of the throat with each breath. And so the invitation here is just to rest in the experience of breathing. And perhaps noticing how the sensations of the body change with the inhalation and exhalation. Isn't it interesting how we name this experience breath? And yet when we look closely, there's a, a multitude of sensations cascading through awareness with each inhalation and each exhalation. And so while we're here resting with the experience of the breath, taking a moment to connect with the sensations of the body and perhaps noticing the feet against the ground or the floor or the carpet. Noticing the sensations that are, are arising at the feet, warmth, coolness, tingling, tension, softness.
And we can bring this same awareness, this inquiry to the legs. Connecting directly to the felt experience at the legs, warmth, roughness or smoothness of the clothing against the legs, tension, tightness, tingling, pulsating. You might not feel much sensation at all, and, and that's okay too. Just just note whatever is there at the feet, at the legs. We might bring this exploration to the hands and the arms, connecting directly to the felt experience of the hands and the arms, going above or beyond any concept of hands or arms. Just connecting directly to whatever is there. Warmth, tingling, pulsating, softness, smoothness, tension. And in the next breath or two, we could bring this exploration to the sensations arising from the back. And again, just connecting with the direct felt experience at the back. What's there? Warmth or tightness, tension, soreness, comfort, softness. There's no wrong sensation or right sensation. Although our mind might like to think there is sometimes. But for this practice, the invitation is to put those judgments aside and connect directly to the felt experience of this river of energy we call the body. And while we're here resting, we might also notice sensations arising throughout the cheeks of the face, so letting any tension or stress that might be held in the face grow soft and relax, and again connecting directly to the felt experience, what's there at the face? or more accurately, that area we think of as face. And continuing this exploration, bringing awareness now to the very top of the head. 
And again, the invitation is to connect directly to the felt experience at the crown of the head. Just feeling into whatever's there. And while we can bring focused awareness and attention to various parts of the body, so too we can bring focused awareness to the entire body, all at the same time. From the bottoms of the feet to the top of the head, from the tips of the fingers to the center of the heart. And holding the river of energy we call body in awareness. You might note sensations are warm and become cooler. There may be tingling, pulsating in certain areas of the body and they, they shift, change, fluctuate. Connecting with the river of energy we call body can at times help us connect with this ever-changing experience of body. Going above or beyond any word or concept of body and just feeling directly what's there. You might get distracted by thoughts and just know that that's normal. That's fine. You could note that with the word thinking, thinking. Gently letting the thoughts go and celebrating the return back to the felt experience of the breath, of the body. And so in the next breath or two, we'll begin to shift away from this guided meditation and back into a conversational space. And I'll cue that by ringing the bell three times. So thank you for, for joining me in that guided meditation. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. <laughs> and if you're, if you're watching this back on recording and you wish to explore that longer, always feel free to press pause and you can stay in those practices or this practice in particular as long as you wish. 
But for those of us who are here live, I'd like to go ahead and move into today's talk. So change, it's a big topic. <laughs> and it's quite interesting, right? You may have noticed in the practice that we just explored together that we bring our awareness quite concentratedly to the breath. And we have this concept of breath, right? We all know that we're breathing in, we're breathing out all the time. And that the word breath freezes the experience into being one thing. Right? But when we get below the concept, or above the concept, or beyond the concept, beyond the word, breath, we actually can connect with how each moment of the breath is offering a slightly different sensation. That the breath itself is this live, changing, fluctuating, shifting experience. And so that's kind of a, a, an intimation of the remaining part of the practice that we just explored, where we go through the body, we bring our awareness to the feet. And the invitation then is to, to go beyond the feet to the concept feet, beyond the word feet, any concept or image that we might have in the mind of our body. And we connect directly to what's there. Because the word, the concept feet, it freezes it. It freezes the body into being one solid fixed entity that we think of as feet. But when we can feel beyond the concept, we recognize that it's actually this pulsating, tingling, vibrant source of energy. And it's in this constant field of ever change. And it doesn't stop at the feet. Fortunately, we go through the entire body, bringing that type of awareness to the entire body, recognizing with perhaps some practice, with some time, that the entire body is this ever-changing, flowing river of energy. And it's much like the same, you know, we, we, you know, we look at a map, right? And we say, oh, there's the, the Mississippi River, right? And on the map, it, it's, it's always in the same place. It looks exactly the same on the map. And we might actually go to the river. And we might, you know, go to the same place at the river for a week. And we start to recognize the, the, the shrubbery, the, the, maybe there's some flowers on the riverbank. 
Maybe there's some, you know, similar fish that swim around that area. But the water is always changing. The river is never the same. But it's just that we, we have this tendency in the mind to freeze experiences into being objects. And then we give that object a name like river or feet or breath. And then it, it, it stays that. It, it freezes it into being a space-time event. When we can step out of that habitual tendency, life takes on a, a much more exciting hue. Because we, we, we move into the reality of the ever-changing field. And when we start to really inhabit that field, then the changes that might have caused us distress, they don't feel so heavy anymore. Yes, we still mourn loss, but we also see it as just another aspect of that ever-changing field. We also celebrate the successes. We can enjoy the, the windfalls. But they too, they, we don't get hung up on them. We don't start to make our life in constant pursuit of those. Because we recognize too that those windfalls, the pleasures of life, the goodness of life, those two are just another aspect of this ever-changing field. And so our, our life and the way we experience our life tends to be endowed with a type of equanimity. So I just want to read a, a very quick poem here from the Zen master Dogen from the 1200s. He lived from 1200 to 1253. He was the considered one of the founders or the founder of the Soto lineage of, of Zen Buddhism. He was from Japan. So this is from Zen master Dogen. Treading along this dreamlike illusory realm, without looking for the traces I may have left. A cuckoo song beckons me to return home, and hearing this, I tilt my head to see who has told me to turn back. But do not ask me where I am going, as I travel in this limitless world where every step I take is my home. But do not ask me where I am going as I travel in this limitless world where every step I take is my home. And so there is in the, 
in many of the contemplative traditions, for sure in the Buddhist tradition, this is quite, quite prevalent, this idea of moving from home to homelessness. And, you know, it, it, traditionally this is kind of offered around uh, the Buddha himself, his journey. Uh, if you're familiar with the Buddha's journey, you know this already. If not, I'll just kind of touch on it. I'm not going to tell the whole story here today, although it is a great story, uh, but I won't tell it all here today. Uh, but, you know, essentially the Buddha was born a prince to, to a, a, a very powerful, wealthy king. Uh, and he lived in the lap of luxury for 29 years, it said. But when he uh, left the palace grounds one day, he went out into the world. He, for the first time, experienced uh, suffering in the form of sickness, old age, and death. He came back with the question, you know, how can we uh, live this life? where there's so much pleasure and joy and so much suffering, how can we create a life to accommodate both? And with that question in his heart, in his mind, he left the palace and he gave up his home for homelessness. Now, there are many, many ways of interpreting that story. And the, the one that I'm pointing to here today is that perhaps the idea here is to recognize the homes that we have created in our life. In one of the earlier sections, I read this passage from the Buddhist tradition from the, the discourse called The Noble Quest, where the Buddha says, people won't understand these teachings because they delight, revel, and love their place. It will be hard for people to understand impermanence and conditionality and nirvana if they delight, love, and revel in their place. So what I'm suggesting here is those places are the homes that we create. And my home is that I'm a teacher, I'm a I'm a poet, a writer, a philosopher, I love cats, I love to travel, I like Thailand. These are all the homes that I've created and delight and revel and love in. There's nothing wrong with that. The issue comes is that when we cling to them, when we delight and revel and love in them, and mistake them for being permanent fixed entities that give us a permanent sense of home. That's what brings rise to suffering. That's what keeps us from understanding that everything is indeed connected. And so I think the invitation here is to find that sense of home, that sense of safety, that sense of groundedness within the ever-changing field, recognizing that these homes that I've created are simply sandcastles in the sand. 
that eventually will get washed out to the sea. And, you know, intellectually, we know all of this already, right? But we still tend to fix things into being permanent fixed experiences. And really, we can't help that. It's part of being human, right? Our nervous system tells us that this singing bowl is a permanent fixed entity, right? It's here today. It was looked pretty similar as it did yesterday, and it will probably look very similar tomorrow. But science tells us a different story, right? Science tells us that this is actually a mass of atoms and molecules spinning at a dizzying speed to create an illusion of a solid, fixed, permanent entity. And so the teachings here, the invitation, is to become very, very intimate with this experience of change. And so this is why we were exploring this in the guided meditation that we opened today's talk with. You know, when we meditate that way, meditation is a way of experiencing life's unfolding at a deeper level beyond the thinking mind. It allows these experiences to really uh, become a part of who we are. So when we meditate on change and impermanence, we're informing our nervous system of the reality of change. And I know sometimes, you know, when I talk about change and impermanence, it sounds like bad news, right? It sounds kind of heavy. And sometimes it can be. It doesn't have to be. Right? I mean, it is the fact that things are changing and impermanent that I'm actually here talking about this today. Right? I mean any way along these 49 years that I've been on this earth, any way, any place along that path, things could have gotten frozen and stuck. Right? And I'm so glad I'm here. And this isn't the end of the story. Tomorrow I may be somewhere else. And that's okay because everywhere I step is home. And so we can kind of, you know, go into an absurd kind of thought experiment. You know, what would life look like if everything was permanent? Right? I mean, we'd all be here. <laughs> I mean, the world would be you know, immensely overpopulated. 
We might all be babies if we stopped there, right? We might all be infants. So then the species would have died, right? Or if, yeah, it depends on where you stop the clock on that path. So although change and impermanence might sound like you know, a really heavy topic, it is what allows life to be the way we know it anyway. If things weren't changing and impermanent, there would be a life would cease to exist. And so in that sense, we can have, uh, we can approach these practices with uh, these practices on change and impermanence with a, with a type of reverence, a type of, uh, you know, something very profound is happening here. And we can bring this to ourself, this contemplation on impermanence, the way we did in the meditation, feeling into the body, the breath, uh, we can also look at our feelings, you know, things that are pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. How does that change and fluctuate? Right? We think those are solid and fixed, but we, when we look closer, what was what we might have considered pleasant now uh, can become rather unpleasant in an hour or two, right? You lay down in bed and feel so comfortable and warm. And 20 minutes later, you have to turn around or adjust your posture or shift, get a different pillow, right? The pleasant moves to neutral and then unpleasant. Or you go out for a really nice meal and you take the first bite and it's so delicious. Three, four bites later, maybe not so much. By the time the meal is finished, you're kind of ready for it to be over. So this fluctuation within our feeling tones. Also, fluctuations in our perceptions. And for me, the easiest one here is either sound or sight, right? This cascade of sound that's constantly passing over our ears, interacting with the backdrop of silent space. There's always this fluctuation of sound dancing with the silence. Also the visual field, there's a lot of change there. You know, the sun moving over the sky causes the shadows and the lights to change. Or if you're outside in a city or even in the countryside, uh, the visual field usually offers quite a bit of sensory experience, sensory shifting experience. You might notice change in your own intentions. Perhaps you intended to, to meditate. This is always a good one. Uh, and so we intend to be aware and present with the meditation and then the mind gets distracted, right? There's change in intention there. The intention, oh, that's a nice thought. Maybe I'll follow that thought, right? So our intention shifts. Maybe we intend to go to the gym <laughs> and, you know, after maybe we sign up for a gym membership and two, three weeks later, a month later, two months later, that intention perhaps has shifted to something else. 
We can also notice change in our concentration. Right? What we tend to concentrate on. This is kind of similar to intention. And also noticing change in our um, consciousness. And what, what we're aware of. You know, this open space of consciousness. There's, there's change in the shape of that. So lots of change there, and then we can bring that inquiry to people we know, right? We have a good friend, right? And we, we think about this good friend, let's say we have a friend named Bill, and we think about Bill and we you know have this image that, of Bill that comes up in our mind. Maybe if we met Bill like 10 or 15 years ago, that image might look quite different than how he looks now, but we still hold that image in our mind regardless. And, you know, we kind of fix Bill into being, you know, a certain way. You now maybe Bill likes football and, you know, you know, we know that he, he's good with numbers, so he's an accountant, and maybe Bill also, because he's good with numbers, likes to play cards and so forth. And so we have this, you know, fixed, experience of our friend named Bill. And that kind of keeps our experience of Bill locked into being a certain way. And so if, if and when Bill begins to grow, change, morph, shift preferences and prejudices, likes and dislikes, life experiences causes change, we find that difficult, right? We might, we might struggle against that. We might, that might bring us some tension or unease because Bill, the way he shows up today, you know, he's not fitting into that concept of Bill that we have in our mind. And so the invitation in that exploration is to show up in the present moment, into the experience. Of course, we can still recognize Bill, that's our friend, wears the baseball cap, likes to play cards. But then to, to, to allow ourself to experience Bill as he arrives in that present moment. He could be very different than he was just a few days ago. And so when we can engage in our relationships in this way, uh, really a certain type of uh, spaciousness and freedom becomes known. Hmm. So we talked about noticing change in ourself and the felt experience and in our perceptions and our mind, right? We talked about embracing change in others. Also, we might think about how we have this want towards comfort and away from discomfort. 
And this want inspires change moment to moment. You know, if I change my posture, it's because the posture, previous posture became a little uncomfortable. And so moving towards comfort. And so this is noticing change in our own experience in, a, in kind of a, a moment to moment kind of way. So I think that's all I've got to say today. Thank you all once again for tuning in, whether you're watching this live or on video. I really, really appreciate you all being here. Of course, I couldn't do this without you. Um, if you are curious about these teachings and you really would like to explore them in a deep and profound way, uh, please do sign up for the retreat, sign up for the course. Uh, it's really going to be a good one. I'm very much looking forward to this. Uh, again, it runs from March 1st till the end of April, at April 26th. For all of the registration information, please go to my website, www suchsweetthunder.org or if you have any questions you want to find out more you can always message me through Instagram through Facebook happy to to field any questions that come that way if you're ready to sign up just go ahead and message me as well and we'll get you signed up okay well wherever you are have a have a great day have a great evening and we'll see you next time I'll ring the bell to close us out Thank you.